Uh, we're in a series called The Power of the Tongue. And um, on, your, on your handout, there's a fasting portion. And so next Sunday at January 2nd to January 9th, uh, we're calling the whole church to fast for one week. Now on that fasting handout, you'll see there's three different options to fast. There's the media fast, which is like the Nazarite fast. Um, there's the food fast, and there's a talking fast. Um, if you choose the Nazarite or the talking fast, I still want you to do a mouth fast. I'm calling, because of the series we're on, I'm calling everybody at Solid Rock to do a mouth fast. And you can choose your mouth fast. When it comes to the mouth fast, you might need an accountability partner, the person who you speak to the most that week. If you cuss or if you complain or whatever your mouth fast is, they're going to require you to say three positive things or three blessings that God's given you and so forth. And so during that week, remember this, if you say you're fasting, but you're not spending time with God and praying, you're really just dieting, okay? Fasting is whenever you give up something and you spend time with Jesus in lieu of that thing. Or you, or you verbalize praises in lieu of what you just said that was negative or whatever the case is. So um, it's very, very important to me that you guys fast. And what we're all going to fast for is who is supposed to own this property once we no longer own it? That's what I want us to pray for. There's a church that's looking at this place. You know, we start, we start um, groundbreaking around uh, spring, summer of this year on our new property. And so um, we have a church that's looking at this building. We have a land developer that's looking at this building. We have um, some, some wealthy people who just want to own it just for a few years. So they can resell it five years later for twice as much. A lot of different people. And so during the fast, we want to pray that whoever God wants to have this place is who's going to get this place. Amen? So that's what we're going to pray about. Okay, so today in part six, our series on Power of the Tongue, we're going to talk about a tongue of self-encouragement. A tongue of self-encouragement for your notes, self-encouragement. Now, um, if I were to preach on fear and, you know, we're afraid something's going to happen to our kids, afraid we're going to get the flu, you know that your words of faith can cancel that out. That's easy. Uh, whenever you're sick or someone is sick, you know that our words of prayer, our words can bring healing. And that's easy. We believe that. Um, it, it seems like, though, it's very unusual. It seems like whenever we're discouraged, or we're depressed, instead of looking to ourselves to verbalize encouragement, we find 12 different people we can, and we tell them about all our problems, and maybe we go and we date somebody we know we shouldn't date because we're discouraged because we're alone, or we tell three people, on, you know, we, or we blast it on Facebook, here's my problems, you have no idea how bad life is. With everything else, we know that our words can cancel it out, but when it comes to being discouraged, we always look to somebody else. So I'm going to teach you today how to encourage yourself verbally. Now listen real close. I've been doing this for 20 years and it works. So what I'm going to teach you today, it works in my life. It'll work in your life because I get discouraged. My personality, I can be up here or I can be down here just like that. And so I know when I'm down here, I don't need to call 10 people. I don't need to put it on Facebook. I don't need to cry to my parents or anything like that. I've learned how to encourage myself verbally and it works every single time. It comes, all three points today come from one specific scripture, and I'm going to give you all three points at once uh, because we're limited. I thought we were going to be limited on time. So Exodus 17, 14, when Joshua was about to take over for Moses, it says that he defeated the Amalekites. So before Moses died, God said this. God said to Moses, write this and read it to Joshua again and again so he will remember it. Now, those are your three points, okay? Write it, read it. And remember it. I'm going to tell you what I mean. Write it, read it, and remember it. Um, every one of us in this room, we all have a history with God. For even before you got saved, there are things you can look back and see 
where God's hand was on your life. If we do not write down the miracles that he's performed, if we do not write down all the blessings that he's given us, when we get discouraged, we'll forget about those things and we'll be so focused on what's going wrong or what we want today, we'll forget that God's already done 10,000 things in our life before. But if you will learn to write the things that God's given you and done for you, read them on a regular basis, then when you get discouraged, you'll remember them and it'll bring encouragement into your life. It's very important that we use. I have one on my phone. I have one on my laptop, my thankful folders. It has in there the, the days my kids were born. It has in there the time, that, the day that God saved me, the promotions he's given me, the times that he healed me, provided his blessings, his favor was in my life. And every time I read through my thankful folder, no matter what's going on negative, I'm always encouraged. Um, in the Bible days, the people would carry around this big staff with them. The staff was more than a walking stick. It was more than just something to keep wild animals away from the sheep. It was actually their history with God. They were a nomadic people. They were nomads. They, they traveled everywhere. They never stayed in one place. So they didn't have, you know, computers or phones or things to keep records on. So they would carve things into their staff of what God did for them. It have on there this date, God, you know, healed my child. Uh, this date, God helped us defeat the Amalekites. Uh, this is the day that my son was born. On and on it had their history. So anytime they were discouraged, they would look at that staff and remember, if God did it for me before, then God will do it for me again. Remember when Moses and the Israelites, they were up against the Red Sea and Pharaoh's behind them. The Israelites were so depressed. They were so discouraged. Oh, no. What if says they cried all night long. And the first thing God told Moses to do in Exodus 14, 16 was this. Hold your staff up in the air. As soon as he held that history with God up in the air, all of the Israelites looked up and they saw and remembered God sent 10 supernatural plagues on our enemies and he protected us. God gave us gold from the Egyptians when we left them and were freed from slavery. God spoke to our leader through a burning bush on the side of a mountain. When they remembered everything God had done, it rose faith on the inside. And all of a sudden, the Red Sea parted. They walked across on dry land. They turned around and saw Pharaoh and the, and the Egyptian army drown in the water. And I bet you the first thing Moses did was, is he got a knife out and he carved into his staff. Today, God drowned our enemies into the Red Sea. It built faith on the inside when they remembered everything that God had done. I've told you before, I have a thankful folder. It's on my laptop and there's probably about a thousand entries. I've been doing it for 20 years. Anytime somebody does something good for me, I write it down. It's not just a lucky break. It's not just happenstance. It is God's favor on my life. And I never want to forget. I was reading through it, you know, studying for this sermon and just a few things. Last year when I got COVID, uh, little Matthew Potter, a kid here from church, baked me some cookies and his parents came and they you know, put on my front door. And of course they ran because I had COVID. But, but, um, but I wrote that down because I didn't want to forget that a child from church made me cookies. And the parents came and put it on my front door. That's just a very special thing that God did in my life. Um, <clears throat> a few years ago, I woke up one morning and the first thought in my head was God told me to give somebody $500. And so I immediately went back to sleep because I thought it was the devil and there's no way I'm going to do that. <laughs> but then I woke up again, you know. And so I thought, okay, well, I'll go to church and ask for a check and we'll give this family $500. And God said, no, no, I want you to give them $500. I want it to be your money. 
And so I thought, God, you know, I can't do that. I don't know if I, we're going to be too low in our bank account. We won't have enough money to pay our bills next month. That's a lot of money. And I find you can't argue with God because once he says something, he doesn't talk again until you do it. I mean, it's like that's, that's the best way to argue with somebody is to say it and then say nothing else ever, you know, until they accomplish that. So I, I didn't, you know, I was frustrated. I went to the bank. I got $500 out of the bank. And I went, I said, I called him. I said, where are you at? They're at work. And so I took him and gave him $500. That was about 10 a.m., that morning at 11 a.m. David Brown a friend of mine here from church called me up and invited me to lunch after lunch he handed me $1,000 for me and my family listen I wrote that down because I never want to forget that God did that um, a few weeks ago uh, my wife wanted to go skydiving for Christmas and so uh, I paid for her to go skydiving I paid extra for her to have the parachute and um, <laughs> you know some husbands pay extra for there to be no parachute but not me and I'm a good husband and so um that was a horrible joke. And so, and so uh, it was on a Saturday morning up in Southport, which is a place in North Carolina that I've never been my entire life. She's never been to Southport. We never had any reason to go there. And um, so I asked someone I knew that used to live there. I said, I was the best, the most finest restaurant. We're going to go up the night before. And I said, I'm going to take my wife out to a nice dinner. They said, it's a place called Mr. P's Bistro. I said, okay. So I called three weeks ahead of time to make reservations. They said, we're booked until 8 p.m. Friday night. I said, okay, I'll take the 8 p.m. that Friday night. It was three weeks away that I did this. And I later found out that Mel Gibson was actually there at that restaurant a few days before because they were filming a, a movie up there in Southport a few weeks ago. Anyway, so I make the reservations, and we're scheduled to leave that Friday night to go up to Southport, you know, eat dinner, spend the night, and jump out of a plane the next day. And so that Friday morning, I played racquetball with a friend of mine here in church. We rarely ever get to play, maybe once every few months. We played that Friday, and afterwards he handed me an envelope, and we said our goodbyes. I got in my truck, and I opened up the envelope, and it was a $100 gift card to Mr. P's, here's a picture of it, to Mr. P's Bistro um, in Southport. And I thought, that's so weird. So I called him on the phone, and I said, hey, man, how did you know about Mr. P's Bistro in Southport? He said, well, I travel up and down south of North Carolina. It's such a great place. I thought you and your wife would want to get out of town and go. And I said, no, no, how did you know I had reservations there tonight at 8 p.m.? He was blown away. He said, I had no idea. I got this for you two months ago, you know. I didn't even know. That was God's hand of favor in my life. I could tell you a thousand other things just like that that would blow your mind. Here's the thing. The only reason I remember is because I write it down, I read it on a regular basis, and I thank God for it. If you look back, I promise you, if you look back at your life, you will find a thousand things you could list in your thankful folder. Things that you know, that you know, that you know had to be the hand of God. Sometimes we should just thank God that we're still here. That the devil didn't take us out because Lord knows he's been trying for many, many years. Um, one time in Exodus 33, 19, Moses said, God, I want to see your face. And God said this, I'm going to make my goodness pass before you. In other words, everything good in your life is not a lucky break. It's not just the people say the universe is doing something, whatever. It is God Almighty's hand on your life today. Uh, my friend Jason Potter, who, who's a, one of our trustees here at Solid Rock, um, a few weeks ago, I said, I, I want you to come to lunch with me. And then this other friend of mine, and this other friend of mine is an unsaved guy, but he's an entrepreneur, successful man, great business leader in his field. And I said, Jason, I want to introduce you, the two of you so y'all can just connect, you know? So Jason was kind enough to get off work. We met for lunch and we're sitting there at a restaurant here at Market Common and it's at Kosushi. And you know, that restaurant, everybody can hear you talking no matter what you say, because it's just such a small area. 
And so I said, Jason, tell my friend the, the projects you're doing, things that you're, you know, that your business, whatever you got going on. And so for about 10 minutes, Jason spoke. And during those 10 minutes, he mentioned God eight times. And, you know, Jason Potter, he's very well-to-do, very, you know, just very um, proper in everything he does. Someone like that usually never mentions God in public. Not Jason. He couldn't stop. He told my friend, he said, oh, if God hadn't brought me to Solid Rock, I wouldn't be here. If God hadn't given me this idea for this, oh, and then four years ago, God put it on my heart to do this. And, man, God's blessing. On and on he went. Here's why. Everything good in our life, God should get the credit. Everything good in our life. I heard about this man who was so discouraged and so depressed, and so he went to his pastor. He said, Pastor, I'm all depressed. I have nothing to be thankful for. My life's horrible. I've got so many problems. The pastor said, okay, well, let's do an experiment. And I'm gonna, I pulled out a legal pad, and he said, I put a line down the middle. And on the left side of the legal pad, I'm going to write down all of your assets, your blessings, the big miracles in life. And on the right-hand side, we'll write down all of your problems. All the things that you're calling you know, stress, anxiety, the things that are causing you to be depressed. And the man kind of laughed. He said, okay, but there's going to be nothing to put on the left side of the page. The pastor said, well, we'll just see. Let's just do an experiment. So the pastor opened up in prayer. And as soon as he said amen, he said to the guy, oh, 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 I forgot. I'm, I should have mentioned this when I saw you. I'm so sorry to hear that your wife passed away. The man said, uh, pastor, that must be somebody else in your congregation. My wife didn't pass away. I have a beautiful wife. The pastor said, oh, you do? And he wrote down, has a beautiful wife on the left side of the pad. Then he said, I'm so sorry to hear that your house burned down just a few months ago. Do you have anywhere to live? The man said, Pastor, where are you getting this information from? I have a great house. The pastor said, okay. He wrote, it has a great house on the left-hand side. He looked at the guy and he said, I'm so sorry to hear you lost your job right around Christmas. By that time, the man called on and he grabbed the legal pad back from the pastor. He wrote down, I have a great job. I have great kids. And he wrote down about a dozen other things. And he left that office more encouraged than he's ever been. Amen. Psalms 34, 3 says, let all who are discouraged take heart. Come, let us talk about the goodness of God. Notice we're supposed to be talking about these things. Sometimes we talk about the things we shouldn't talk about. And we fail to talk about the things we should be talking about. If you need to list or you need to put right down, if you have a wife, write down, I got a wife. Write down, I got a great wife. You say, well, she's not that great. Write it down in faith, you know. Well, you say, if I was married to Micah, I'd write down, I have a great wife. No, if you were married to Micah, you'd eat Brussels sprouts every day and broccoli and peas. You thank God for the wife you do have. If you got a car, write down, I got a car. If you have hot water, write down, God, thank you for hot water. I have two boys home from college. There's no hot water. I'm going to take cold showers, man. Write that thing down. If you like Krispy Kreme, write down, thank you, Jesus. God created Krispy Kreme. I know he did. There's got to be one in heaven. Write it down. Thank you, Jesus, that I'm still alive. Thank you that there's still breath in my body. Write down your kids. Write it all down. Whenever David faced Goliath, he did not just bring a slingshot with him. No, the Bible says in 1 Samuel 17, 40, David took his staff in his hand. He chose five smooth stones and he went straight toward it. Why would he take his staff? Was he going to try to poke Goliath with it or maybe throw it at him and try to scare him, this huge giant? Front? No, he took his staff with him because it reminded him of the time that he killed a lion with his bare hands. Remember we read about that? And then the bear came after one of his sheep. He killed the bear with the slingshot. I bet you on that staff he had carved in there the day that Samuel anointed him to be king over Israel. 
Everybody passed him up, but no, God remembered him. All that was written down. In fact, it's so interesting to me, even Satan noticed his history with God on his staff and tried to make light of it. In verse 43, Goliath said this, Am I a dog that you come at me with a stick? David said, oh, no, this is more than just a stick, man. This tells me if God helped me with the bear, if he helped me with the lion, if he's anointed me to be king, my destiny is not over today with you. I'm going to kill you. He threw the staff down, killed Goliath. I bet you the first thing he did was pick up that staff. Today, God helped me defeat my biggest enemy yet. If you realize that God's brought you this far, why would you think he's going to leave you here? Why won't you realize he's going to keep on taking? Now, I bet you there was a lion that got one of David's sheep one time. I bet you there was a bear that took one of his animals. But David did not write that down because he didn't want to remember the bad times. He wanted to remember the good times. Psalm 78, 4 says, we are supposed to tell the generations to come the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord and the wonderful work. We're supposed to tell our kids about it. We're supposed to remind our kids, man, let me tell you how far God's brought dad. Let me tell you where I was when I was your age. Let me tell you what our first apartment was like. Let me tell you that first car that had three cylinders and, you know, three spare tires on it. Look how far God's brought us. We're supposed to remind the generations after us. I had a friend of mine, he was a millionaire. He lived in this huge, like, log cabin type house. And he was a fisherman. And so all through his house, he had these huge fish mounted up on the walls. Um, if I can remember, there was a swordfish over his fireplace. There was a blue marlin next to his TV. And in the family room, it looked like a hammerhead shark that was mounted up on the wall like nine feet long. With every single fish in the house, he had a story to tell. The story always started with a struggle, but it always ended with a victory. And so many people say this, man, I've been through so much. I have nothing to thank God for. I've been through this. I've been through that. You're missing the point, man. You've been through it. God got you through those struggles. And because you're here, you can say you've had victories in your life. My son Asher, you know, I told you how he was born with the spinal cord thing and how God healed him. Well, whenever he takes off his shirt, you know, when I'm rubbing his neck, I see this long scar on the back of his head right there, the spinal cord. When I see the scar, it doesn't remind me of the pain or the agony that we went through. It reminds me that God is still a healer because he healed my child 13 years ago. It reminds me how God brought me through that struggle into a place of victory where now I can encourage other people who may be going through the same thing. We're supposed to remind our kids of this. We're supposed to, and I bet you that if you look back at your life, there's some fish in your life that are mountable, things you need to write down or put pictures up in your house or, or, or some scripture up in a room so when someone comes over, you can point and you can say, here's what God brought me through. Let me tell you about this struggle. Let me tell you how I'm victorious today because of God's hand was on my life. We're supposed to remind ourselves of this. A friend of mine, um, when he first came to Solid Rock, I was, uh, had a little storefront church in Saucony. There's maybe 20 people there, a little glass storefront. And um, he came into church one day unsaved, didn't, never been to church, not one day his entire life. He was probably 40 years old at the time. And um, he smelled like you could smell alcohol from the second he walked in. But he kept coming to church. He was living with a girl who was basically a witch. She was very demonic and did all kinds of seance and weird things. But he kept coming to church. One day he gave his life to Jesus. Three months later, he kicked that girl out and stopped living in sin. Three months after that, he stopped drinking. Today, he's an assistant pastor of a church here in Myrtle Beach. But here's the cool thing. 
He got saved on December the 3rd. I think it was 2009, 2010, something like that, on December the 3rd. So he set a reminder in his phone for the third of every month to get an alert just so he could remember how God brought him out of alcoholism, how God brought him out of the wrong relationship. Today he's married, he's got a wonderful kid, and I bet you he's telling that child, let me tell you what God did on December 3rd in my life. Why did he set the reminder? So he'd never forget. These are the things that should be encouraging us. And I know during this time of year, many of you get discouraged. Please do what I'm saying. Don't allow your miracles to become mundane in your life. Don't ever allow what God's done to just be something that you forget about. So many times we've asked God for things and God, and we're so focused on what we want, what we need, we forget about everything he did in the past. Um, God actually commanded his people to have parties throughout the year, parties, celebrations. And every party they would have throughout the year represented something that God did in the generations before them. Their great-grandparents, great-great-grandparents. In Exodus 13, 14, it says, In the future when your children ask, why are we celebrating? You say to them, because the Lord used his mighty power to rescue us from slavery. Imagine you got balloons in the backyard music's playing real loud you got some friends over barbecue on the grill and your children get off the bus and they're coming home they walk in the back door and they say mom dad what are we doing what kind of party is this is it a super bowl party is it a wedding party is it somebody's birthday and you tell your kids no we're just taking the day off to celebrate what god's done in our life we just don't want to forget we're taking the day off to remind ourselves that you know god called dad to preach 16 years ago you know, God, God healed Asher 13 years ago. God promoted me four years ago. We're just taking the time to talk about how good God's been in our life. Have you ever said, God, if you do this for me, I'll be in church every Sunday. If you heal this, man, God, I'll worship you like never before. Boy, will I praise you. God, if you give me this promotion, I'll tithe every single week. And God does his part and how quickly we forget it's like the guy that was um, driving around, I think it was Christmas Eve, trying to find a parking place at Walmart, last minute shop, and he could not find a space anywhere. So he finally said, God, if you give me a parking space, I'll be in church every Sunday. Just like that, a front row space. He was right there, this car pulled out. He pulled right into that front row. He got out of his car, he looked up and said, God, never mind, I found one myself. <laughs> Deuteronomy 6.10, when God gives you cities, when he gives you homes, when he gives you hot water and wells, vineyards, all the Coca-Cola you can drink, make sure you do not forget how God got you there. Amen. Do you remember what it was like before God's hand was on your life? Do you remember what it was like in your first apartment, your first car? Remember what it was like with those addictions you were facing? Remember how bad off you were many, many years ago? And, what, and we think, you know, no, it was all my strength. Oh, Lord, was it your strength? Your strength can't even open up your eyes in the morning. It's God that allowed you to have that strength. It was my creativity. No, that came from God as well. It was my gifts and my talents and my good ability to make money, my businesses. No, all of that came from God. Every single thing. The last scripture I'll give you, you know, the Israelites, they, they, they came so far. God brought them out of slavery. He led them with a, a fire at night, cloud during the day. He gave them manna from heaven, quail three feet off the ground, water from a rock, 
God did so many miracles in their life. But when they got to their promised land, they were unable to enter. Out of everything God did, all they had to do was just believe one more time that God was going to get them through. Just one more time to believe, and they didn't do it. And do you know why? In fact, it's one of the only, I think there's maybe three times in the Bible that talks about God being in serious pain. So funny that this, this immovable, this unshakable, this all-powerful God can actually be in pain. In Psalm 78, 42, they caused God terrible pain. Here's why. They forgot the miracles of his hand, how he rescued them, saved them, and delivered them. It, it wasn't that they murdered somebody. It wasn't that they were thieves or adulterers. The thing that caused God so much pain, the thing that stopped them from 2022 being the best year of their life was they simply forgot everything that God had done in the past. Write it, read it, and then Psalms 105.5 says, remember, keep in mind the miracles and the wonders that God's done. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay.